Hi, this is Alina Kanner and Megan Barrington, and you're listening to Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast, where we dive into all things health, wellness, and fitness. We are two certified athletic trainers who met and graduated together from the University of Arkansas, and we wanted to do this podcast to spread our joy about treating our bodies well through nutrition, exercise, and knowledge. Welcome to Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast. We're super excited about today's episode. But before we get started, I wanted to hop on here and share quickly about my brand new four-week program called Active While at Home, which begins March 27th. Although everything going on in the world is quite stressful, I am excited because this program is specifically designed to help you go from feeling stuck, trapped, or stressed while you're working at home to empower you to feel mentally and physically stronger so that you can maintain your health. Registration closes on March 26th, and I will put the link in the show notes below, but the link will also be located on my website or in my Instagram bio. Okay, now back to our episode. Today on our podcast, we welcome Alyssa Ritchie. Alyssa is a successful member of Team USA Olympic Weightlifting. She recently broke the Pan-American Championship records for the clean and jerk. This girl is beyond bitty strong with the ability to clean and jerk double her body weight and has showcased this on a platform. Alyssa has been on the scene making a name for herself in the sport for the last couple of years. We are so happy that she was able to come onto our show to chat about Olympic weightlifting as well as her recent diagnosis of Hashimoto's thyroiditis and the struggle that Olympic weightlifters have with urinary incontinence. We connected with Alyssa and we think she is an absolutely amazing human being with knowledge and a huge heart to share for the world. We love this episode and we cannot wait to share it with you. We hope you enjoy. Hi Alyssa, welcome to Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast. Um, We're really happy to have you on our show. Thank you, guys. I'm super excited to be here and talk about everything. (laughs) Yeah, we have so many things we want to just chat with you about and learn about from you. Um, Yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, go into your background, how you got to being where you are. Okay, cool. Um, My mom and dad basically said that I could pick to be either a gymnast or a you know, get a horse. And I was always like, I didn't really know. I always watched like Dominique Mociano. She's my favorite gymnast growing up. And so I always admired those women, the strong, like beautiful, like they're just bricks. And I loved the strong bodies, everything about them. And so I was like, I told my mom, I want to do gymnastics. So that's kind of how I started gymnastics. Uh, about two and a half years I did gymnastics. And then I ended up quitting gymnastics, going into track and field, um, did that into college. So around roughly six and a half years, I was in track and field. Uh, On the side, I did a little skateboarding. I was pretty darn good at it too. And uh, which is always unique. Everyone's like, really? And I'm like, oh yeah, I was Avril Lavigne in high school. Like (laughs) really, really Avril Lavigne. Like we're talking like her happy ending video. Remember her like, so much for my happy ending. (laughs) Like that was me. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) after I decided to stop track and field, that's when um, CrossFit came along. Uh, I had done like a fitness show 
before, right before CrossFit. And it was awful. It was terrible. I was like, like bodybuilding. Yeah. Not bodybuilding, but like the bikini. bikini? Yeah. We Basically, both did bikini. Yeah. 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 So I tried it once and I was like, I just wanted, I was looking for this like competitive edge. Like I wanted to be competitive again and I was looking for something to be competitive in. And I realized I was like, Oh, well, all these girls are doing this. I might as well try it too. So I did. Um, I actually hated it because I was like, why am I letting people judge my body? Like, I don't care. Like, I don't care what they think. I like the way I look. So that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, I ended up finding CrossFit by um, just driving my motorcycle downtown and running into like a gym that had all the bay doors open. And all these people had their shirts off. And I was like, what the heck is this place? <laughs> so I like stopped in, got off my bike, took my helmet off. And like, God, thank God, like people know who I am because. I just like say whatever is on my mind and sometimes it doesn't come out right. But I was like in the middle of their class, I was like, what are you guys doing? Like in the middle of a CrossFit class, these people are like deadlifting, cleaning. And I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) So the coach was like, come here. Like, what are you doing? Come here. Like waving to me from across like the gym. And I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, is this CrossFit? And he's like, yeah, this is CrossFit. Like you interested? And I was like, yeah, kind of, I've heard about it. And you know, people said I'd be good at it. So that's kind of how I got started in CrossFit. Um, I just was a natural athlete. I was a hard worker, a pretty darn uh, well-built athlete, athlete from my background with gymnastics, skateboarding, volleyball, track and field. I was like built for doing CrossFit. Minus the fact that I'm four, 10 and a half and 115 pounds. <laughs> um, so I started CrossFit, did that for, how long did I do that for? Three and a half years. And um, I actually had to quit. And it was actually the almost the same reason I quit weightlifting, um, which nobody knows about this, which is fun to talk about. Uh, I stopped CrossFit because I was exhausted. I was just dead. I could not, I was always in a bad mood when I came home, probably the last six months of doing it. I thought it was, um, I just was like exhausted. I couldn't even go on like hikes with my boyfriend. And we're talking like me fitness girl that like needs to get, like can get outside and do these things. And a mile hikes like easy because I do CrossFit for crying out loud. How can a mile hike be hard? So I was just getting frustrated. And then my boyfriend was like, listen, we need to sit down and have a talk and we need to understand that you are always in a bad mood when you come home. You hate doing CrossFit anymore. It's always something that you're just, you know, talking negative about. He goes, you're exhausted. We can't even enjoy Colorado when we live in Colorado. Like we can't go on hikes. We can't mountain bike. You're always tired. You're always fatigued. Um, just a lot of things were going on. And so I was like, you know, I made that decision uh, back in 2016, I believe it was into 2016 is when I quit, quit CrossFit. So, uh, then now, then after 2016, I made that decision. I jumped on the phone with Chad Wesley Smith from Juggernaut Training System. And I said, Hey man, I want to get really strong. I don't want to do CrossFit for a whole year. I just want to take a year off and see how uh, like strong I can get. And he's like, sure. Yeah, absolutely. He's like, why don't you try weightlifting? And I was like, eh, no, my whole point was to quit 
CrossFit was to stop being competitive because I know me once I get into something, whether it's picking up pieces of a game, I'm going to try to beat you picking up those pieces from the game. Um, always competitive. I don't know why it's just, it's a, I was born with it. <laughs> uh, so started weightlifting because Chad said, you know, you'd be really good at it. You could make teams like Pan Am team, world teams. And I said, sure, why not? So I said, you know what? I didn't really like it at first. I was like, if I love it after the American open finals, which was, um, nine, I think 10 weeks after I started. Yeah. I started lifting 10 weeks before American open finals got second place behind Kathleen Winters in the total made my first international team for Pan Ams in 2017. And from there just went up. So I just, I'm, I don't know. I can't tell you why I can say that I'm a hard worker and stuff, but that's kind of like how everything flowed into where I am today. So that's yeah. kind of my background. Yeah. You have a, sports. a real sport uh, background, true athlete. Actually, it's funny because I think a lot of gymnasts end up trying CrossFit, then go to weightlifting and are able to succeed. Like sure. that, I did that too. And I did bodybuilding. So it's pretty funny. Uh, one show and I totally can understand. I was like, uh, get me out of here. I am <laughs> done. It's just terrible, right? It's like for I me. Yeah. For her, not so much. She liked it. <laughs> oh, did you? Did you do it yeah. too? Yeah. I've done it a lot longer than Alina has. Um, I'm not currently right now just because sure. I don't know if you can hear me, but yeah, for the same reasons pretty much that you were saying, like, why am I torturing myself to be judged by other people? Like it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Plus it's just expensive. And I knew it was terrible for my body and like, I want to have kids someday, but at the same time, I'm really competitive and I'm really like organized and anal about details and love experiments and science sure. and like research methods. So bodybuilding is like perfect in that way because you're literally just like micro changing everything. And it's, it's like art. You're literally building your body and then you know shredding down the fat and you have to be so methodical about it and that's what I love about it but the stage part I got kind of jaded last time I competed because I think I got kind of robbed and then sure. I realized like that is probably how everybody feels oh right? I'm sure yeah right right I truly think that I, did, I was but yeah and it's yeah. like okay well I mean you were the one who chose to go up on a stage and be judged subjectively right. so right like my fault like and then I I just kind of was like, okay, I'm going to take some time off. And then now I've taken over a year off and I still love the gym. I'm still love nutrition and I don't feel like the pressure to compete. Plus I just feel like what I'm doing now is much more. So I understand completely, but yeah, I mean, I do, I think enjoy it more than like Alina did as far as like the actual competition part, but I get it. It's hard and right. you've got to be like all in. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, with anything you do, right. Like yes. with school, with bodybuilding, with CrossFit, with anything that you want to be the best at and at that highest level, like you have to be like, everything has to be working yeah. towards that in your life. Like you can't sacrifices. Yeah. You have to make those. I mean, there's sacrifices, but you want it. So is it a sacrifice? Investment, right. You really. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a sacrifice. Don't get me wrong. At the end of the day, like, it's not like you want to eat like you're eating. Yeah. It's or just relationships you want, with right. people. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. 
you also don't even realize it when you're so in tune with what you're doing. When you have that goal and you're just going head forth into it, you're just tunnel vision towards it. Oh, and for sure. Yeah. It's kind of a blessing because that's how you're going to get to reach your goal. But it's also kind of you can miss a lot of things along the way. So it's, it's interesting. But yeah, I think we both can totally relate to like your background and where you're at and stuff. So it's interesting. Um, and that like needing to be competitive part it's almost like it's a compulsion yeah, yeah I, obsessed with I, it. I get it like I'm just yeah and it can it can be really good really good or it can kind of destroy things in some ways at least right. in my experience sure for sure yeah. um you were talking about being super fatigued with CrossFit and I know you recently talked about having Hashimoto's and this is kind of why I like had messaged you because my background I was a weightlifter, competitive, um, really busting my ass in the gym. And then I noticed I was fatigued and not feeling great. And then my thyroid levels were, and all my, the rest of my hormones were just like super, super low, super high cortisol, similar kind of stuff. I didn't have antibodies um, for Hashimoto's, which my doctor thought was surprising. And I did too. But so do you, are you okay with talking about a little bit about Hashimoto's and what it's done for you or how it's affected your life? Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. So for anybody that doesn't know, Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease that basically um, is when there are antibodies present in your blood. And what they do is these antibodies will attack your thyroid, which is in your neck, and it will like eat it away. So you get all these weird symptoms such as like fatigue, brain fog, cold hands or feet, weight gain, hair loss, joint and neck pain, like all this like crazy stuff. And it's, it's, it's sad because you kind of just, you think, oh, I'm fatigued because I lift a lot. I'm always training or I'm not getting enough calories. Um, My brain's fogging because I'm not eating enough. My hands are cold. My feet are cold because I'm lean. Um, And I like, didn't um, really know what was going on. And I think it all started, I I don't know 100%. I can't tell you the exact date it started, but I'm pretty sure it started six years ago when I quit CrossFit. And like I said, I I should have explained that. Like I said, I was going to quit weightlifting for the exact same reason I almost quit CrossFit because I got sick and tired of feeling exhausted, tired, I have bad carpal tunnel. I sleep with two wrist guards on every single night. I, um, I got no joke, $300 of like skincare products. And it was just like trying to figure out like, why does my face dry? Why do I look awful? Why are there bags like under my eyes? Why I'm 30 years old. I'm not freaking 80. Like what's going on with this face? Like super insecure. Um, I felt like I was getting uh, depressed. I was telling my boyfriend like several times, like, you know, I just don't think this relationship's right for me. I think uh, you deserve someone better. Like, I don't think we're going to work out. Mm -hmm. Um, I started just saying like negative things. Like every morning I'd get up and look at myself and be like, wow, I do not look good. Wow. I look, that was like the first thing I said to myself in the morning, like, how sad is that? Like, yeah, the fact that I wake up every morning, the first thing I say to myself is, wow, you look terrible. Like, mm-hmm. That's never been me. That's never been who I, who I was or am. And so I noticed something was kind of like going wrong. 
And my boyfriend was like, listen, you quit CrossFit for this reason. And we're going down the same road. <laughs> like, um, what's going on? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I'm just exhausted and tired and fatigued. Maybe it's too much training. Maybe it's the weight cut, blah, blah, blah. But like, it, it wasn't. And I just want to let people and inform people not to know like that, like aren't good at like doing their research or good at like reading or just good at assuming and creating rumors. It wasn't my weight cut that caused my Hashimoto's. It's an antibody present in your blood. Weight cuts don't put that into your body. It's, it helps um, bring about the symptoms of Hashimoto's worse because it causes a lot of stress, stress. on your body, Yeah, but it doesn't like play, like you don't get Hashimoto's from cutting weight. I've had Hashimoto's, I believe for a long, long time. And so I think that's what I was suffering from in CrossFit. And that's why like I quit CrossFit. So you, I have a question. Did yeah. you notice like over the last six years, like your weight cuts would get harder or did you notice a difference looking back? Yeah. So did you say over the six years? Yeah, I, I think three and a half. Three and Sorry. A half. Yeah, it's okay. Um, six years with CrossFit and weightlifting together. Okay. Um, that's how long I did CrossFit. CrossFit three and a half years, weightlifting three and a half years. Got it. Um, which is funny because both I was going to quit in three and a half years because the same because the same thing was going on. Um, so my weight cuts got <laughs> really bad. Um, I would say right after. Well. It was pretty bad at Pan Am's, but I was able to survive it. And that's when I put up that huge total of 190. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I was fine. I recovered from it. Um, I, I just pulled myself out of it mentally. I was like, I'm okay. I can do this. Um, at Worlds in Turkmenistan, when I totally just, I, I just call it shitting the bed, I guess you could say, because I had that had the best training cycle leading up to it. I was hitting huge complexes. I was crushing everything. My weight was the same. My body weight was the same body weight it was leading up to Pan Am's. I had eaten the same foods, done the same um, protocols. I had followed everything perfectly, just like at Pan Am's. And when I went to Worlds, some reason, the weight just wasn't coming off. Like I just couldn't get it off. I was just like... I looked at my coach and I was like, like I am losing 0.1 in like 20 minutes of sauning. And at Pan Am's, I was losing a lot more. Mm -hmm. How much time was between these two? Um, I think it was, was it in April we went to Pan Am's? April, May, June, July, August, September, five and a half months. So like I had a four, uh, yeah a full training cycle. So there was yeah. like, it wasn't like Pan Am's. I didn't, I don't believe I had a full training cycle leading up to Pan Am's because I did American Open Finals and then did Pan Am's. I mean, it's hard because it's like, people don't realize that it's related to hormones. It's, yeah, weight cut is stress, but so is training. So is your yeah. life stress. So is so Absolutely. many things. So yes. is the toxins we're smelling. Like we don't sure. realize that it's a meeting things. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah for, for all real. the food we eat, like the gluten and the dairy and all 100%. that stuff. Yeah. And it, you know, people like to just create that drama and they just like to be right. So it's like, it's okay. You can create it. You can be right. Or you think you 
you're right. And that's fine. I'm not going to try to defend yeah. my position. All I know is like, just go out there and look at the research and yeah. look at the facts because the facts say what they're going to say. You know what I mean? They're, they're right. Yeah. It's also so, we're uh, women. So stuff like this is way more likely to happen to women. Um, yeah, like oh, absolutely. By far. There's so much research in it. Um, did you actually have any like digestive issues and stuff like that? Or did you stop eating gluten and has that helped if you did? Oh, no. So I was diagnosed fe- February 3rd of 2020. Yeah. And um, I – was in the process of deciding if I was going to continue the Olympic process or pull out. And that was a huge decision. And then I was also uh, fighting some other things politically with the sport. And then on top of that, I was going through, you know, just got diagnosed with Hashimoto's. And so it was like, I didn't really think about like, I was so in the mindset of like, I'm going to Malta and I'm going to compete as a 49. You know, I actually just decided not to go to Malta as a 49 a week before I left for Malta. So it wasn't like I was like a true, you know, I, I had, I had been exhausted going. I had just gotten really badly sick. And so it was just like Malta was just, priority and I went as a 55 and just no not a true 55 like 53 or whatever because I ate a lot that week (laughs) your body Um, probably needed it (laughs) oh for sure for sure so um yeah so I haven't had time to adjust anything with food wise Um, I have been just looking into it um, and I actually was just going to post about it today uh, but I got exhausted and I said I'm not going to post about it yeah so I just take it day by day now and just try to, um, I haven't really started anything. I'll be completely honest because I've been dieting for the last or cutting weight and I've done 16 weight cuts. So I've decided just to let my body just kind of eat what it wants to eat. And if it's that's in the mood so for a piece of dang cake, it's going to have a piece of dang cake. That's, yeah. that's a huge yeah. thing I did was stopping to track and it helps so much, not just, um, sure. like my body needed the food, but also sure the mental aspect of tracking, it's really hard. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you like don't, and you don't think about it and you just eat whatever you kind of want at that time. And I try and keep my meals like consistent, but like with times, um, and I notice that helps a lot. So, I mean, I think you did make a change by doing that. I think that's a big change, you know? Doing but letting oh, your body just eat whatever yeah. it really wants. That's a, that's a huge thing right there. Absolutely, it's just like it's like that pe- the eighty twenty thing that people like to say. Like eighty percent of the time I'm good, twenty percent of the other time yeah. I'm like I eat whatever I want. Honestly, it's just kind of what I'm doing right now. It's like you, I eat pretty darn good. Like yeah. if somebody looked at my food all day, they'd be like, "Wow, that's um actually pretty perfect." And of course, I'd be like, well, it's not, but <laughs> yeah. But for me, it's like you know, I, like my boyfriend's birthday, we had cake the other day. It's like, I had two pieces, big pieces, not small, big, I can eat, but (laughs) (laughs) like, I don't do that every day. I do that maybe like, you know, and once I do start getting on track with, um, being gluten-free because mostly I am honestly. Yes. Yeah. It is interesting about Hashimoto's, how it's more common in women. I know a lot of women will get it after pregnancy because obviously that like messes with your immune system. 
what stress um, on the body i was what i was also thinking like women also tend to diet more like tend to yeah. stress out about things more in general and obviously our immu- our immune systems are just stronger in the first place i think because of the fact that we could become pregnant and they're just more like primed for that kind of stuff so it would make more sense that like randomly our immune systems would just decide to eat our thyroid or things like that but it was just so it's so interesting and i hope that because it's so common now like hashimoto's isn't that most thyroid uh hypothyroidism in the united states or in the world is hashimoto's um, is that true i think five percent of the population is affected by hashimoto's and it's pretty much eight times more common in women than it is in oh, men. Yeah. So uh, with that being said, I, I mean, yeah, it's like super, super common, but at the same time, um, I don't know if like hypothyroidism, like it starts off with hypothyroidism and then you can have Hashimoto's. Um, so it just, it just depends, I guess. I, I don't know enough science behind it, so I can't really speak for it like in that terms. Symptoms are we'll similar. Do more research. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Symptoms are various. I mean, the symptoms in Hashimoto's, the symptoms in hypothyroidism, the Same. simple symptoms and all this other stuff is like similar. Yeah. So it's really just down to like getting your blood work checked, you know, trying to visit a doctor that you can actually work with and talk to that doesn't just blow you off like with a pill or just with it like a quick like you're you got to figure it out yourself kind of thing. Um, it's a problem that, with the healthcare system that's tends to be how it's done. And I mean, I went through three people before I found somebody who I trust wholeheartedly sure. and it takes time and it's like hard to find somebody, but when you do, it's, it's amazing. So it's, it's tough, but just, I was listening to a, I really like the doctor's pharmacy podcast. Me too. Um, yeah. Mark Hyman. Yeah. Um, great. I also like mind body green, but I was listening to their thyroid, um, their hypothyroidism podcast yesterday. They posted it. And in it, it says, treat the person who has the disease, not the disease that the person has. Yeah. Because the problem is, is we're treating this disease like it's the same in everybody. Right. And it's not. Look at me for prime example. We're talking like an elite athlete that has beat the whole system of weight gain. Okay. We're not looking at an obese person here. We're looking at a very strong and shape athlete mentally that can like break barriers because I've been doing this for six years and doing what I've done with Hashimoto's is like, I mean, these nothing like you would expect in a Hashimoto's patient. A hundred percent. So like to treat, to treat the disease, like it's the same is not, we need to be treating the person. So we need to figure out like what's wrong with the person. Like, oh, she might be gluten intolerant or, oh, she might be lactose intolerant. We got to get, so start off with, you know, the diet and start off with her lifestyle or his lifestyle, you know, just like try to like eliminate or make things better and treat the person, not the disease. Like it's true. It's interesting too, because like you were saying before, like you're an elite athlete and that's not the the typical view of what somebody is that has Hashimoto's, but it can happen. It can happen to anybody in all different shapes and sizes. And I think a lot of it too, like for you being such a high level athlete and I, I was an athlete too. I still play around and um, just the mental aspect when you're so in tune, it's what we were talking about before with that 
you know, you have your goal. You're not really thinking about how tired you are. You're just going to go towards that goal. So it's different than a general population human who might feel their symptoms a little more intensely. When you have your goal and you have a strong mind, you're going to just go towards that. So we could kind of go into being an athlete and why um, it's so important to be mentally tough because that's something that I admire about you. I think you are an extremely mentally tough athlete, and I think that's something that makes you stand out in comparison to your other like competitors. Um, I guess how did you, you? Yeah, how did you become so tough mentally? Um. Wow. Such a challenging question. (laughs) Um, I think growing up, it was my parents. My parents were awesome. They raised us kids really well. A lot of it, and Ben makes fun of me. Ben's my boyfriend. He always makes fun of me. He's like, you know, this is my dad speaking. I don't know why I just put him in a girly voice, but (laughs) my dad always said it was, you know. know. Um, no, (laughs) my dad always said to us girls growing up, especially me, I felt like I was my dad's like rock and my number, his number one. He always said that no matter what you do in life, never depend on a man, always do it independently for yourself. Because if you do get married or grow up and, uh, start dating some guy and something happens and you were just living under his income or, you know, with just by his paycheck, he said that if you lose everything and he goes, and you have nothing, it's going to be really hard to turn your life around. He said, so never, ever depend on a man. Just always, always depend on yourself. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And it was, it was awesome. And, um, another thing was my parents were always open with us kids. We're, we always, open. Like sex was never taboo in our house. It was something my, yeah, my parents That's just how I grew up. about it. Yeah. yeah. And I think like that helped me. That's why I was like a virgin until I was, you know, almost married. And yes, I was almost married. God, thank God that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> uh, so like, like that kind of stuff, my parents were open. They were honest with us. Um, I never, wanted to fit in. I always wanted to do my own thing. So when it came to like going to parties and stuff, I really never went to parties. I always just did my own thing. Like I was my own person always. I didn't need to fit in. Like if the popular girls were doing it, I was probably doing something different. If people, yeah, like I never growing up in high school, like never cussed, um, still have never had you know, a full drink of alcohol. Um, people are always like, what? (laughs) Um, I just didn't have time for it. Like as an athlete my whole life. So I feel like you're, you have so much good energy and good flow. You don't need it. Like, no, no, you're you're extroverted. I feel like, and like social, so you don't need it. I just, I, I just, I, I learn from what people, how people, when people make mistakes. So when you make a mistake, I learn from you making the mistake. If she, uh, like a guy makes a mistake and I see it, I'm like, wow, I don't want to do that. So I learn from it. I tend to try to be very, um, observative. Um, and I try to be very, uh, it's weird. Cause I talk a lot and I like, I like to talk. So it's like, I do listen to what people say though. And I'm like, Oh wow. Well, I don't want to do that. Or I don't want to do this. Um, I was, I don't know. I was always a very smart young lady. 
I always, I just never, I always had like a gut instinct too. If like something was weird in my gut, I never like followed through with it or, you know, let it control me or whatever. Um, There's just so much that led up to my mindset today and why I'm so strong, like and confident and okay with not having someone by my side at every moment to like praise me. Like if all the support and Instagram and everything disappeared, I would be fine. I'd be completely content. I would actually be more happy. I bet. (laughs) I think everybody would be more happy. (laughs) I agree. Um, I think that's like an amazing role model to portray to young women, especially the fact that you're a weightlifter. That in itself is amazing to show young girls that they can lift heavy weights, but then doing it with that type of – just grace, I guess, as you were just talking about, just being like independent, confident. I think that's so great to show like these little girls, you know, they could, they could do anything they want and be independent. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like really important to be your authentic self because I know it says in You Are a Badass by Jensen Ciro, if you have read it, it's an awesome book, but she says like, you have to love your authentic self because the world only gets to have one of you. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you should show the world who you are because what if they miss out on you? Like there's so many authentic things everybody can bring into this world. And I think sometimes we're so afraid to show it because we're so worried about what people will think of us or if we'll be judged or Mm -hmm. if we're going to not do it right. Or, you know, if that person doesn't like me enough, like who cares? Like, it's just, just be yourself, be who you are and just, like just live your life, man. And if yeah. you, if you do, that's when you're going to bring out your most exciting, most fulfilling life, and you're going to yeah. be at your happiest. Yeah, and that awesome. authenticity is really magnetic too. So like, if you just, you know, bite the bullet and just be yourself, and don't like, if you just stop thinking about what other people think, and organically, people will just start to be magnetized towards you anyway. Right. Which obviously is not the way to do things, but or not the reason to do them, I should say. But Absolutely, yeah. It's sure. easier. You don't have to like. Be constantly planning on what you're going to do if you can do it the same as or better than another person who's already done things. Like, why? What's the what? I don't understand that. Like, yeah. it's just it's difficult trying to keep up with the what is the what's the saying? Not the Kardashians. Keep up with the Joneses. Yes, that. Which it's is like my Instagram mom's is like. Name. <laughs> oh really? That's funny. It's like I'm the kidding. ultimate. Instagram is like the ultimate keeping up with the Joneses. That we just have a massive, massive audience, and it's instantaneous, and everybody just wants to like put out stuff to compete right. in it. I mean, and half, half the time the Joneses aren't even happy. Right. No, they're not. And honestly, I like what you just said. You like, think you'd be happier if you didn't have Instagram. And I think most people would be. Yeah. yeah. For I sure. know I feel physically different if I spend less screen time in general. Absolutely. Sure. And after sure. like scrolling, like getting sucked down that rabbit hole for whatever reason, I feel like it's almost like I've had a lot of coffee. Like right. too much coffee, like wired. I'm like, what am I doing? Because it gives you that uh, dopamine. It gives you the yeah. same dopamine, yeah. right? Is a yeah. dopamine release that like um, something exciting and thrilling gives you. Yes. And then you're like on this you're high and searching. it's like. Uh, or sometimes just, I click, I click on a link in a story and then I like, click on another link in that link. And then I think, and then I like, I'm clicking out of it. I'm like, how the uh, hell did I get here? And, like, <laughs> I don't even know what, I'm, what am I doing? But uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, 
so switching topics a little bit, um, you've been pretty, we've actually been kind of in the middle of a, like a mini series on like pelvic floor and women like in weightlifting and stuff. Um, and you're pretty open about like, well, Lena also has been really open about like the fact that, um, leaking, I guess is really common in, especially in Olympic weightlifters or in CrossFit or, I mean, like my mom used to say that she would leak when we, she would like try to jump on the trampoline with us as kids. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's okay. It's a thing. It is a thing. thing. And, um, for women. Yeah. And like, I don't know, people are like ashamed to talk about it. Um, and I think it's kind of a bummer because like you're an elite athlete and again, here you are being super authentic and you're not afraid to talk about it. And I think if it were to be less taboo or less like embarrassing and it's not normal, but it's very common. And I think people would be more comfortable talking about it. They just realize that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I haven't had any kids and it's not like I've had any big things happen to that area down there to make it happen more often, you know? Um, It tends to happen more to me when I'm fatigued from a weight cut or when I'm catching a really, really, really heavy weight in the bottom of a clean. Yeah. Um, Not really during the snatch. It did happen once during the snatch, and that was when I had that really bad world's performance in Turkmenistan, and I knew something was wrong because it was on 65 kilos, and I was like, I've never had this pee issue on a snatch at this light of weight. So I knew something was really wrong. Um, I'm not embarrassed about it because literally every single girl has a little piddle problem. And that's a funny way to put it. A little piddle (laughs) problem. (laughs) Um, I think a lot of girls, little piddle problems. (laughs) (laughs) A little piddle problem. Itty bitty. Yeah, a little piddle <laughs> problem with a little piddle girl. Like a Dr. Seuss. Yeah, so I guess, like, I'm not really, I'm not embarrassed because, like, I don't know, I'm not going to quit my exciting weightlifting journey because I have leaks, you know. Right. Yeah. So it hasn't happened, it hasn't really happened <clears throat> often as it used to. It used to happen a lot more often. Well, when you um, work on it, it gets better. And oh, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you were vocal about that. And I think it like opened my mind to it. Cause I had, I was having issues with it when mm-hmm. I was in heavy cleans and heavy front squats sure, one time sure. on the back squat because I got smushed, but I think that was just trauma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like um, scary, but I think you being open about it, then we like decided to do this little uh, series and the last episode we had a pelvic floor PT on who I have seen and it's just it's really interesting how it used to be or still is like a taboo thing to talk about and now I think with athletes coming out and talking about it and women coming out and talking about how much it's been beneficial it it's a it's important to talk about and so yeah I think you were you were open about it like maybe over a year ago and I remember listening to something you were talking about with it and yeah, because I have a podcast and I had a ur- uh, urinary, um, uh, what is she, pelvic floor specialist. Yeah. Um, and we talked about urinary incontinence. And it's a thing. Just, yeah. And we talked about like how you can get help with it and how you can um, stop it or help cure it. It's very hard though. It takes, it takes a lot of time 
it's like anything, it's going to take, you know, time to get it corrected and time to get it calming down. And it's some of the procedure or some of the stuff that they, like I did, I mean, it's very invasive. Like I had the girl, uh, it's like an intramembranous like area down by your pelvic. And it's like between your anus and your vagina. And they literally had to like push it was a girl. So she had to push her fingers up into this intramembranous. And like, I remember it like releasing and it helped. It helped a lot. I would have to say it was probably like the best thing. So we continued doing it for probably like four weeks. And I was finally like, Oh, this is actually helping me. And then, um, we did a lot of work on my, uh, abdomen, a lot of on that, uh, forget exactly where it was but we did a lot of work on that and then I would work on positioning and breathing and so that helped a lot too so it was a lot of work uh, but it did see a lot of improvement improvement with it do I still pee yep I still pee do I let it stop me no I don't let it stop me that's not worth it yeah no not when you're a top level athlete and it's also hard when you're still training and doing it because you're still doing the input of the heavy weights so it's like you know, and yeah, you kind of sure. just, you're just going to go with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And our podcast, <laughs> they won't leave week, you alone. Will he? he will not. He's oh. a little puppy. So he's cute. Yes. He's adorable, but he's in pain in the a ass. Stink. <laughs> That's so funny. That's okay. What were you saying, Elena? Sorry. Um, no, you're good. You're good. We Griffey got in the way. Um, yes. I don't remember. That's okay. Just, just that. Yeah. It's something that it's, con- it, we work on and it, it gets better. Yeah, it's cool. And I think being open about it is really awesome because I think it helps me want to do a podcast on it. And like, I think that's, that's cool. So yeah, I think a lot of women and girls, um, have issues with it. I think they just don't like to talk about it. And I have it happen just sometimes on jumps. And recently since my, like, even this last week, I was like, I had to pee a couple times before the workout just to get any extra out. Because I was like, man, I'm going to freaking, I'm going to lift or I'm going to jump or something and I'm going to pee. And yeah, it sucks. And it's not like I just ignore it and I'm like, oh, whatever. But it happens when I'm fatigued. And my body right now is at its most fatigued because I am brutally exhausted from this whole Olympic process. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, and obviously, so I think a lot of people also assume that it's from like a weakness thing, which, okay, yes, fatigue definitely has something to do with it, but like, you're obviously super strong. And so it can happen when you're, I mean, it seems like kind of a, like it holds on for so long that then it just like releases at the wrong time because it's under your core entirely is under so much pressure. So when you are doing your rehab, um, like when you were working with the pelvic floor specialist, did you, I mean, obviously you're still training the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you didn't change any of that, which it's really difficult for athletes to modify their training, especially because it's not really an injury per se. It's more just like a pattern, I guess, but it's a dysfunction. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's a better way of saying it. Um, did you have like preparation that you added to your pre pre-workout routine? like prehab type stuff that you would do as far as exercises go? Sure. I got physical therapy often. This was back in Colorado. I went to see him and her, her when working with the pelvis, um, him when working with anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, We worked on a lot of positioning, like I said, 
Um, and then we would work on just some of the massage aspect of it, like the intramembranous, uh, intratransmembranous, I think that's what it was. Not 100% sure. But it's like that little hole area in your pelvis. Like uh, your pelvis is like that big issue, issue right? And then there's those two holes at the bottom of it. It's that uh -huh. membrane right there that she like pushed on. Um, so like we worked with that. Yes. Yes, the two right there. Okay, yep. The perineum? Perineum? Uh, these, no, not that big. It's your pelvic one, floor. Your pelvic yeah, yeah. floor sits all so in here. inside. But those two ones that are in front of you, they're in the front pocket. Yep, those two. So she'd push on, push on those, and we worked on that. I worked on, like I said, my abdominals. Um, and then we did a lot of, like, breathing and practice, and then I did a lot of just focusing on technique and just working on um, core engagement at the bottom, making sure I'm staying um, in the proper position at the bottom and also using my legs out of the um, yeah. hole. So here's the thing. Like, I noticed, right, when I fixed my technique, obviously it got extremely better because what was happening at the bottom when I was peeing is my butt would wink out and my, oh, my, God. yup. And it, it would happen is my pelvis would be like the urethra would be right. Yeah. Yep. Exposed. This so whole part I, like drops. Yes. So then it just, I just pee. Yeah. So when I would catch in the correct position and it felt strong when I caught it, yeah. nothing happened. With the neutral happened. pelvis. Yep. Yeah. With the neutral yeah. pelvis, nothing happened. Yeah. And that's why you, and that's what I mean. Like when I'm fatigued, I tend to yep. get out of my position more. Of course. And when I, yep. And when I'm feeling good and strong, my position doesn't break. So I don't pee. So it has to do with just all that positioning. And so I worked on that a lot. I worked on focusing um, on my front squats a lot in good proper position, using my legs to drive out of the squat, not my back and my, like, like just not my back. So I yeah. was a predominant back squatter, like really back. Um, I relied on my back a lot. Yeah. Like it was bad. <laughs> and I don't know how I was so strong at the beginning of this training. Cycle. Gymnastics probably. Cause our bodies I, are. I would say it was your base of gymnastics. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think it was just everything overall, just like yeah. all of everything built upon like brick yeah. upon brick upon brick. And then my wall was like already, you know, three quarters of the way up. And then when I joined weightlifting, it was like, okay, now a quarter more. Yeah. And your yeah. body is resilient totally. too. Like people don't realize Body oh yeah, so resilient. That's yeah. why you can bounce back from things like Hashimoto's and things like this, like pelvic floor stuff. Because we can get better. Yeah, I hundred um, percent didn't really think that resilience. Like I was a resilient athlete until I found out that I had Hashimoto's. Until I started researching it. Until I started understanding more about it. But now, yeah, like, knowing the definition <laughs> and knowing. What like happened? Yeah, like I was it's just like, like, oh shit, that's why this was hard. Wow, I'm pretty cool. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm pretty bad. I'm like awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like I was not even being modest. I was like, yeah, I'm freaking awesome because I couldn't believe I did all this with all of what I had going on. That's a cool realization to have too. Like I, I thought about that with myself. I was just like, wow, yeah. like I have all these hormone things going on and I am at my strongest as I've yep. ever been. And that's, that's kind of cool, but yeah. kind of crazy. I think about. sometimes we think it's cockiness. I would look at it as more of confident yeah. and um, something that you should think of yourself as you yeah. should 
be confident in who you are because it's important in life or no one's going to really take you seriously. Yep. And when you start knowing that you're able to work through these, you know, hurdles and these hardships in life, and you're able to break these barriers and break the mold and realize that you can get to the level you want to be at, regardless of where and how far you've been, you know, down in the dumps or whatever, or dealing with crap. It's like, it is possible. And when you see or meet people that have breaking that mold or breaking that barrier, it's like, wow, like, what's my excuse? Why can't I do it? You know, why can't I do it too? Like you, you can, you choose not to, you choose to use every excuse in the book to deter you from actually reaching the height and the goal. You may not think you do, but you do because yeah, it's, there's a lot of people that are extremely, I don't know, just like athletes that have like injuries or in wheelchairs and that are just climbing ropes or doing bar muscle ups or, you know, people that are able to come from nothing and be this big everything. Like you see all those people in the world. And did you think they just sat back in their chair and was like, I can't do it because, you know, I have multiple sclerosis and I just can't, you know, they didn't, they didn't let it ruin them. They took steps to making themselves better. And then they began living their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the mental aspect of being an athlete. It's, it's very different than just a normal person. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're a great example. So this is great. Yeah. Thanks guys. Yeah. Well, thank you. Hopefully this inspires some people that are going yeah. through good things. Yeah. Yeah. We're so happy we had you on. Yeah. Oh, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Move Your Brain, Move Your Body podcast. Continue listening as we release new episodes weekly on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you have any topics you'd like us to cover, please reach out to us on Instagram at moveyourbb. Thanks for your support and for listening to our podcast.